Hey everybody, before this episode begins, I wanted to kind of forewarn you that this episode deals with mature themes. It deals with topics that I believe we really do need to th- need to talk about and talk about more. But at the same time, if there are small children that you really wouldn't want them hearing about adult matters, then I recommend you turn this episode off for them. And in some settings, it would be inappropriate to listen to this particular episode because it deals with sexual morality and all of the various different aspects of that. So I just wanted to let you know beforehand. Hey there, and welcome to another Coffee Break with Lance Phelps. Today, I wanted to talk about the book that I've been reading, The Same-Sex Controversy by James White. Today, we're going to be going over the passages in Leviticus that have to do with homosexuality. And it must be noted right off the bat that very few people, well, none that I know of, actually deny that this passage is about homosexuality. It's very explicit, but it also, I can see, feels like a passage that if you're trying to get around it, you can just do so in the ways that we're going to see. Now, illegitimately, you can't get around it in a legitimate fashion, but still those um, proponents of uh, homosexuality as it is married to the Bible or to biblical Christianity, they attempt to get around this in other fashions instead of saying that it does not talk about homosexuality altogether, like they did in the first chapter that we dealt with, which was the chapter on Sodom and Gomorrah. But when it comes to this particular passage, let me go ahead and read it. It's Leviticus 18.22 and 20.23-20.13. It reads, You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. If there is a man who lies with a male as those who lie with a woman, both of them have committed a detestable act. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood guiltness is upon them. So it seems very clear exactly what this author is saying. What God was saying inside this is that homosexuality is is an abomination and it is not acceptable. And this goes against his moral law. Now, what are the proponents of homosexuality to do with this? Well, the thing that they attempt to do, and this is really one of two uh, different answers, but this is the first answer that we're going to deal with, which is to say that this passage does not apply to us. So, John uh, James White here writes, as we have seen, Daniel Helminiak a Roman Catholic priest, has attempted, in part, to blunt the sharp edge of the Leviticus prohibition by asserting the Jewish distinctiveness of these passages. According to Helminiac, the restrictions were something exclusively Jewish. He commented succinctly, not sex, but violation of Judaism is what was prohibited. So, effectively, the argument is that this this is not trying to restrict all homosexuality everywhere. It is just trying to prevent the Jewish people from engaging in behavior that is rampant in the area and therefore blend in with the other cultures. This is supposed to, as well as dietary restrictions and the, the prevention of wearing blended fabrics, it's supposed to set them apart from other cultures that are around them, trying to make them a nation unto themselves – 
a nation that is set apart. Now, it's not as by way of initial response, it's not totally wrong to think that the laws, Levitical laws, had a component that was intended to keep them separate and their own nation. We do read about that in the Bible. But let's continue taking a look closer at this argument. Helmeniac actually writes here, the point is that the Holiness Code of Leviticus prohibits male same-sex acts for religious reasons, not for sexual reasons. The concern is to keep Israel distinct from the Gentiles. Homogenital sex is forbidden because it is associated with Gentile identity. It departs from the Jewish understanding of how things should be. So we see that this line of reasoning is very clear in those proponents who try to marry homosexual behavior with biblical Christianity. But can we argue this? And really, before we continue on to the rebuttal, we do need to note that there is effectively another branch of this idea or this argument, which is slightly more common in kind of, you know, when you're talking out on the street, but I don't see this as much in the literature or in more academic circles. But the idea is, well, if we don't follow the prohibition against eating this certain meats and wearing blended fabrics, why are you going to make a big deal about this one prohibition? So it's sort of a, you're being a hypocrite, so you can't really enforce the, the, the laws against homosexuality. Well, right off the bat, that hypocritical nature does not change the objective reality of God's prohibitions. If Because what we're arguing here is not whether or not we are being hypocritical. What we're arguing is the objective reality of God's nature and his commandments. So if the objective reality is that we truly shouldn't eat, you know, the meat of the cloven hoof and we really shouldn't eat pigs, then we really shouldn't do that. And right now, we would be living in sin if that is the case. And it would be the same, of course, with homosexuality. So that line of reasoning just simply falls apart on the face of it. So then the question becomes, is this passage merely trying to carve the Jewish people out from the cult surrounding culture, but it really isn't a prohibition about, you know, from sex. It's more of like a do not engage in this type of homosexuality or do not engage in homosexuality for this specific and only reason. And and I'm, I'm going to be dealing with the next, in the, in the next chapter, we're going to be dealing with the, well, no, it was just this type of homosexuality, not that. But in this chapter, we're dealing with the, well, it was only for that time. It really wasn't for this time, so it shouldn't be applied today. It was meant to just carve them out as a nation. Now, this is, it becomes a serious problem, but we have a problem with this passage, because if we see it in that light, there are two major problems that we encounter. And first and foremost, it is God punishes other nations for homosexuality. And now let me repeat that. God punishes other nations for homosexuality. That means that the Gentile nations, they they are being punished not because of their dietary laws, not because of their wearing of blended fabrics. Those things are, you're never, you know, the wrath of God does not come raining down from the heavens upon the other nations, the Gentile and, you know, separate nations. But in fact, we see examples such as Sodom and Gomorrah, where 
entire cities are wiped out because of homosexuality, among other things. Now, we do have to recognize that Sodom and Gomorrah was wiped out for a multitude of sins, but one of the foremost, one of the straw that broke the camel's back, the biggest one, was homosexuality. And so that means that God, if he's going to be punishing these these separate nations because of homosexuality, we see that this is a much bigger deal than being something just to prevent them from being like them. It's, it, homosexuality takes on a much different tone at that point, and a different tone than the blended fabrics or the other prohibitions. Now, I want to go ahead and quote James White on this one regarding the, the basically the ceremonial law. Here we go. Why do we not observe the dietary laws that God articulated in Leviticus? The answer is simple. We do not observe the dietary laws of Leviticus because God, in his own word, has repealed them. And we know this from other passages in the Bible, not from our own preferences. The restrictions of eating shellfish, rock badger, or pork are no longer binding because Jesus removed them and declared all flu foods clean. Mark 7, 19. And if we continue our examination of the Bible, we're going to see a lot that the, why do we not sacrifice animals? Well, the whole book of Hebrews is about how all of that sacrificial system is a, it was a, was an archetypal, was a, it was types and shadows for what is to come, the true and ultimate sacrifice, that is Jesus Christ. So the ceremonial law had a purpose for its time, and it certainly is not undone. Instead, it is fulfilled as Jesus Christ shows us. So these things that we are not following today are obviously, according to Scripture itself, not something that we are supposed to follow. The Bible, God, has repealed these things. But the question is, where in the Bible does God repeal the prohibition against homosexuality? He simply does not. In fact, he reaffirms it in the New Testament, but we're going to get into that a little bit later. Now, the problem becomes even worse for those who say, well, this one section, the section on homosexuality, it really is intended to just be a, a sort of a religious removal from the current culture. And it really is only a prohibition for religious reasons. Well, that becomes very problematic because a very common argument is that once they, once those who are pro-homosexual, they kind of mistreat the New Testament passages and other passages in the Bible. They say, well, there is no, nothing in the Bible restricting homosexuality. And though there is this one passage in Leviticus, it really is only for religious reasons, and it didn't have anything to do with an absolute overarching moral structure. Well, if you're going to do that, then there's a bunch of other passages that are around it, such as the passage regarding bestiality, that would have to be placed in the same context, and therefore you would have to interpret it in the same way, because it, of course, is a string of commands that have a specific tone and nature to them. And if we're going to be honest, and if we're going to be consistent with our interpretational matrices, well, then we have to, in to interpret that in the same light, especially since bestiality, however detestable that might actually, that might, might, I mean, it really is a detestable act, but since bestiality, Reality, it 
itself is not addressed anywhere else in the Bible. It's only in that one section. Can we then say, well, it's fine because it was meant for the Jews of the time? I think that that is absurd. We cannot say that. Bestiality is is abhorrent and it is not acceptable behavior. And God himself declares it as sin in Leviticus. So we cannot go around saying, well, you're going to just do away with this because we have a certain preference. No, we have to adhere to the word of God. And if we're going to say this is no longer applicable to us, we have to have direct scriptural revelation that tells us this is no longer applicable to us. All right, I'm going to end this chapter with this quote from James White. Again, the question looms before us, where or when has God changed his his moral disposition of homosexuality? Are there portions of the book of Leviticus that are no long that no longer apply to us today? Yes. But these are to be determined by God's word, not lustful passions or sexual experimentation. God's word is binding, all of it. It is obligatory at every point in which it declares itself to be. Since God is the one who gave his word, in this case the law, he is the only one who has the right to annul or repeal it. That's all I have for you today. Make sure to check out our website, divedeep.net, for more content, including blog posts, book reviews, and video content. If you like this podcast, help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes and Google Play. Also, check out our main episodes of Dive Deep on the podcast feed and stream live on Facebook every other Thursday night at 7 p.m. That's at facebook.com slash divedeeppodcast. We hope to see you there. Soli Deo Gloria.